The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer, not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're still talking about uh, the series we've titled it Home Improvements and the subtitle is uh, Grace for Godly Families. Amen. And so the first two installment, we said we're going to be focusing on a godly marriage and what that looks like. Okay. Uh, we don't want you swayed. I remember coming to uh, a single seminar the one time uh, Hassani Pettiford was in town and he came uh, to teach the singles. And right at the end of the single seminar, you know, we had a question and se- uh, an answer session. And uh, one lady, you know, put up her hand to ask a question. And she said, well, uh, in context of what uh, Steve Harvey says in his book, it's called The 90-Day Rule. And he said, man, before you even ask the question, go home, take, take that book and burn it. He said you shouldn't be taking marriage advice from someone who uh, is not living a godly life and they're not go- doing it according to God. Amen? And I think it's profound for us to realize that the institute of marriage uh, was uh, uh, originated by God. God is the creator of the institute of marriage. And if we're going to function in the institute of marriage successfully, we have to do it according to God's design. Amen. And uh, when we read last week, uh, Genesis chapter number 2, from verse 24 to 25, we talked about what we called the four laws of a successful marriage. Now, some of you may be here and thinking, <laughs> you know, Pastor T, I'm still way uh, uh, far off from uh, marriage. I'm not even thinking about uh, being married. And, you know, rightly so, you may be young and you're pursuing your, your, your education and uh, your career and things of that nature. But here's the deal is that you can learn today for what you're going to apply then. Amen? So don't discount everything that we're going to be talking about. You may as well take some of it and prepare yourself for when you get married. Amen? And some of you may be saying, well, I tried marriage. It didn't work, and so I'm divorced. Well, that doesn't matter. God is a God of restoration. He can restore you. In fact, when He restores, the Bible says, He restores sevenfold. Amen. And so God can restore you back into the place of marriage. So what we're doing is to just equip you so that your next marriage becomes your last one. Amen. Amen. I said amen. And uh, for those of you who are not even planning to get married, you can use what we're going to be sharing to give advice to someone else who might need it. Amen. So essentially everyone in here can listen and take something and use it somewhere, somehow. So Genesis chapter number 2 from verse 24 has what we like to call the laws. Someone say laws. The laws of a successful marriage. Amen. And so we call them the laws not from a legalistic uh, perspective. We're not talking about that kind of law. When we use this word law, we're using it as a, uh, to describe a guiding principle uh, uh, of a thing. 
For example, the law of gravity uh, says whatsoever comes up must come down. Or in other words, practically, if I let this fan uh, go, everyone in here can tell me with certainty what's going to happen to it. It's going down. You know why? Because we are dealing with the law. You could be in Bujumbura, in Guatemala, wherever you are, where the law is still in, in, in operation, if you let the pen go, it's going to go down. You could be a man, a woman, wherever you are, wherever you are, the law is in operation. So it is with the laws of marriage. When you uh, cooperate with the laws of marriage, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. Uh, uh, when you start cooperating with these laws, you are going to have a successful marriage. I mean, think about it. In the natural, the people in Hollywood should have uh, all the successful marriages because, I mean, they tell us that it's all based on chemistry. They don't know that it's based on laws, so they tell us it's all based on chemistry, and all the stories they uh, share with us is that it's, this thing is based on chemistry, and Hollywood is some of the most good-looking people, you know, according to the world standard in the world. I mean, those people, some of them are way too good-looking that uh, when they hug, it should explode <laughs> chemistry right but they have some of the uh, most troubled uh, marriages because as long as you violate the laws that we're going to be sharing that God set in motion you're going to be on the wrong side uh, of the law and there's consequences to violating the law amen and so scripture says in Genesis 2 24 to 25 therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh, and they were both naked, verse 25, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So last week, we talked about the priority, the, the laws uh, that we see in this Bible verse. The first one being, therefore shall a man, someone say amen, leave his father and his mother, and he shall cleave to a woman. Someone say a woman. woman. So the first no-brainer is that marriage is between a man and a woman. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the first law that we see with that is that it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. And we say that word leave uh, uh, gives us what we call the law of priority. And if you were not here last week, uh, please make sure you listen uh, to that teaching from last week. The word uh, leave there uh, is talking about you have to rearrange your priorities when you get uh, married. You have to reprioritize everything. Amen? You shall leave your father and your mother and now you shall cleave to your wife. So what that means is your wife becomes your number one priority, your husband becomes your number one priority in the earth. And we say the priority list uh, should look something like this. God right at the top, right? Number one is always going to be God. Number two is going to be your spouse. Number three is going to be your children. Uh, number four, your job. Number five, your in-laws. And outlaws. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> so, uh, this is what it looks like. And number six, you know, as it goes on, your hobbies and... and uh, 
But here's the deal is that a lot of people in a quest to provide for their family uh, do not, uh, fail to reprioritize uh, their lives and they violate the law of priority. Uh, you know, men are usually guilty of this. We usually take our job from number four and we move it to number two in a quest to provide for our families. And now your spouse starts to look at your job as a competitor. She starts to look at your job as something that's uh, uh, taking uh, attention that rightly belongs to her and that violates the law of priority and it can cause problems in the marriage. We say it sometimes, you know, people get married when they start to have children, their priority uh, uh, shifts from each other and to children. And now we have people who've been married 20, 30 years but can't talk uh, to each other, husband and wife. You know, they can't talk to each other directly because for so many years they've been focusing on uh, children and they don't know how to talk to each other. So even now, after the children have moved out of the house, they still talk to each other through the children. Hey, hello, you should see what your dad is doing here. Because they failed to reprioritize uh, things. Amen. So the first law that we talked about last week is the law of priority. And then the Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. The second law we talked about is the law of pursuit. We say to cleave means to pursue. Amen. It means to pursue each other. It means to uh, uh, want to uh, still, you know, impress your spouse, want to uh, want to serve them. Uh, we, you know, we gave an example last week of when they came, uh, you know, looking at your store, the store of your life and who you were, and they were checking you out uh, before you got married while you were still dating. I mean, you were running around making sure that when they come, your life looks good. I mean, you put a real nice representative right in front to say, this is who I am. I mean, you put the nice things in the store, and when they would come and ask for things, I mean, you would run around and make sure that they get those things. And now... Now that you got married, you got the girl, uh, some of you have let the ball down. You've you know, dropped the ball. You're supposed to even take it to the next level. Marriage is supposed to get better every single year when you do it right. The things of God always move from one level of glory to another. Amen? Uh, you know, he says the latter glory shall be greater than the former glory. Things are supposed to get better with God. So is your marriage. It's supposed to get better when you do it right. So the law of, of pursuit says uh, you are supposed to serve each other. Marriage is brutal for selfish people. Marriage is a brutal environment if you're selfish. If all, if all you're thinking about is me, me, me. My name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. Give me more. If marriage is all about you, man, it's brutal for selfish people. Marriage is for people who know how to sacrifice. Marriage is for people who know how to serve each other. I told you, and I'm going to say it again, uh, marriage is not a give-and-take relationship. Marriage is a give-and-give relationship. Amen? And so the best way to pursue your spouse is spelled S-E-R-V-E, is to serve them. And you serve them by serving what we call emotional needs. Amen. 
I said, amen. And so, here are the major needs uh, for women that men should strive uh, to serve in. These are the major needs for women. And here I have to say, I'm going to ask all the ladies for this segment of the sermon. I'm going to ask all the ladies, you can turn off, you can do whatever you want. You can start thinking about whatever you want. You can start thinking about a dinner or lunch tonight. This is not your part of the segment for the, of the sermon. I told you last week, and some of you violated the rule that I told you last week. I told you, I said, you must listen for your part. Some of you were listening for your husband's part, and you made the mistake of saying this when you got into the car. Did you hear what the pastor said? What you are supposed to do. Amen? This is not your part. This is his part. Can I get an Amen. So ladies, kick back, relax. I'm talking to the fellas in this segment of the sermon. So the number one need, emotional need, notice I didn't say emotional want. I said an emotional need. Needs are things like water, oxygen, Wi-Fi, things you can't do without. Amen? Those are needs. Those are not wants. Amen? And so this is what we're talking about. These are needs. If you're going to serve in these areas, you will be successful in your marriage. Number one, need for your wife is security. She wants to know that her needs and desires will be met in a faithful, can the brother say faithful? In a faithful manner by a sacrificial and sensitive husband. And when we use that word faithful, we use it carefully to mean trustworthy, dependable, honest. Amen? All she's looking for is some security to know that you can be depended upon. That's all she's looking for. It's a need. It's not a want. If you want your marriage to flourish, you're going to have to give her that. She wants to know that you're dependable. She wants to know that you're trustworthy and honest. What that means is you may have to uh, 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 bend backwards over communicating, over uh, doing certain things to just make sure that she's secure. And I gave an example in the first service uh, of me, you know, usually when I go and buy clothes, I have to call my wife. Listen, it's my money. I've earned it. It's in my account, my card. I can do whatever I want with it. But because there's a need for her to be secure... From me, I find it necessary to pick up the phone and call and say, Honey, I'm about to buy a shirt. It, it, it usually costs about 2,300 rand, but it's on sale right now for 75 rand. And I can't walk away. And she says, Okay, go for it. <laughs> and then I buy it. And when they try to pack the receipt in the shirt, I say, No, no, you can keep that. I don't, you know. I don't. I don't need the receipt. Amen? What am I doing? I'm trying to establish uh, security. I'm trying to meet uh, a need for security. Number two, open and honest communication is a need. It's not a want. She wants you. She wants to have unhindered access to your thoughts, your feelings, through a loving, patient, and regular communication from you. Open. Someone say open. And honest communication. Number three, she's looking for soft, non-sexual affection. She wants to feel valued and cared for as a whole, not just for SEX. And all the brothers said, amen. amen. See, all the cells and all the tissues in your bones are rejecting that. Because <laughs> you don't know how to hold hands without a destination. Okay, we're going to move on, right? We're going to move on. 
very fast. Number four, leadership. She's looking for leadership. Amen. She wants a husband who is the loving initiator of, a well, of the well-being of the marriage, uh, spiritually, socially, and, 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 and in any other way. She's looking uh, for the loving initiator of the well-being of the marriage. And uh, we said last week, uh, also for leading the children. She, all she's looking for is someone to be a great initiator. And brothers, let me tell you, if you start giving and meeting these four needs, you are on your way up. And if you ignore these four needs, you do so at your own peril. Hallelujah. Amen. See, women are interesting in the sense that whatever you give to them, uh, they usually give it back to you uh, a, a little uh, 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 bigger and better. So if you uh, give a seed, she'll usually conceive it uh, for nine months and she'll give you a baby. Now, if you give a disrespect, she'll also conceive it. And after nine months, you get a little nice, little bigger, a uh, little multiplied and, uh, you know, amen? But if you give a love, she'll also take it and she'll multiply it and she'll give it back to you uh, way bigger than you gave it to her. Amen? And so this was for the brothers. Now the brothers, you can kick back and relax. Now we're over here on the other side of the church. We're going to be talking to the ladies. Amen? Here are the four major needs, emotional needs of a man. Not wants, needs. Amen? And the first one is honor uh, or respect. Men would rather be respected than loved. So uh, 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 what this means is being talked to and treated with dignity as though he is believed in and valued. Ladies, you are to be your husband's number one cheerleader. Amen? He's looking uh, uh, for, for, for a cheerleader. And ladies, you are to be your number one. Don't be the one that's always criticizing. You know, oh no, you're, yeah, that business idea, ah, it's not going to work. Ah. You know, it's not going to work. Ah, you've never done anything successfully. You d you, that's why you failed uh, woodwork. <laughs> no, you're supposed to be your number one cheerleader. We're talking to the ladies, right? Let's go quickly to First Peter chapter number 3, from verse 1 to 6. For those of you who say, but I'm married to uh, a husband who does not know the Lord yet. Someone may ask you, you know, I'm, I'm married to this man, but they don't serve Jesus yet. How do I handle it? Uh, the apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 3, from verse 1 to 6, uh, let me read it in the, in, uh, the NLT, if you don't mind. 1 Peter chapter number 3 from, uh, okay, I can read it in the NIV. Let's go back to the NIV. That's fine. That's fine. We can stay there. Uh, NIV. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Listen, you know, when it comes to submission, we're going to get into that in the next uh, uh, class. But when it comes to submission, uh, the Bible didn't say women submit to men. You won't find that scripture. It didn't even say wives submit to the National Husbands Association of South Africa. He said wives submit to your own husband. So ladies, here's the good news. You get to pick. Out of three billion crazies in the world, you can get to pick one that you would say, at least I can submit to this one. <laughs> Amen? 
And so he says, wives in the same way, submit, the word submit also means to respect, right? Say, submit yourselves to your own husbands. If any of them do not believe the word or are not yet Christians, uh, so that they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Next verse. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Next verse. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of uh, jewelry or fine clothes. Or oh, b- before we even uh, read further, he is not saying do not wear nice things, jewelry, and he is just saying don't major in that. You know, sometimes people say, oh, there you see, the Bible is saying you shouldn't do your hair. No, that's not what he's saying. Amen? I said amen. Watch what he says in verse 4. Rather, it should be that your inner self and the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Next verse. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. Well, Master T, I see what it's saying. It's trying to say I should call this man here uh, Lord. Well, I would call him Lord if it was anything remotely close to Abraham. That's what the women would say. Well, Abraham wasn't a saint either. But what got Abraham to become the father of many nations, I believe, was how Sarah treated him, how she honored him. He was able to function in in his calling because of that. So ladies, this is very, very, very important. And here's the sad news uh, for the ladies that are still wrestling and battling with this scripture is that there is no plan B. The next verse doesn't say, and if you don't like this one, you could work with this one. No, this is all God gives us. How many of you ladies believe that God is big enough to change your husband? And so he's saying in this scripture, all you have to do is to go with what he tells you and he is going to change your husband. Can I get an amen? He says you do that through your action. Number two, emotional need uh, for your husband is having his SEX needs met. Someone sent me an email last week after service. says, Pastor T, I think you should have measured on that a little longer. And I said, no, because, you know, we have uh, 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 some teenagers in, in service too. Amen. Verse uh, uh, three, number three, emotional need is friendship. Uh, you know, this is to the ladies. Uh, husband, a husband is looking uh, for a wife who can be his uh, best friend so that they can do enjoyable things together on a regular basis. Amen? He's not looking for a prophetess. And sometimes that's the problem with, you know, charismatic churches is that we forget, you know, the ladies forget that you're someone's a wife, not, you know, someone's spiritual advisor. You know, and I think sometimes it's because ladies get turned on to the Lord earlier than guys and, you know, they, they connect and they receive the message. And, it, it, you know, I remember when I was young growing up in the church, I mean, you know, at the time while I was looking to get married, I mean, I'd get weird things happen to me, crazy random people would show up. Hey, Brother Tafara, I just want to uh, tell you that uh, I, I, saw, I was sleeping last night. I saw a dream. I saw one star come from the east and another star come from the west, and then they collided and became one. And I'm sitting there thinking, 
what does that have to do with anything? And they say, I think the other star was me. The other star is you. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I ain't looking for any of that. I'm not... I'm just looking for someone to go to Dunkin' Donuts with or Krispy Kreme and get some donuts. You know the one, the, the one with the chocolate on top, the round one? And they put sprinkles on it and the, the one with the custard. Man, that one is good. Or oh, the red velvet. No, they thought I was looking for a prophetess uh, Sheba. No, I'm not. I'm just looking for friendship. Amen. And so your husband, this is an emotional need, uh, friendship number four. Here's another emotional need is domestic support. What does that mean? That means having a wife who focuses on the needs of the home. Women are tremendously gifted. They are gifted at uh, 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 adorning the home, making the home look pleasant, beautiful, and, and just turning that environment in the home to, to, to a pleasant place to be at. When I was a bachelor, man, the only person who was happy being in my bachelor pad was me. Because I was the only person who knew where everything was. You know, when I took off my socks, I would carefully put them where I can see them. <laughs> see, ladies don't understand that. <laughs> they want us to take off the socks and put them away where we can't see them. No, I would put them where I can see them because, you know, I might take it off today and then change my mind and want to wear it again tomorrow. So I must keep it where I see it. And I didn't see much sense in making my bed. Because I'm going to, you know, mess it up again tonight. So uh, you know what? <laughs> Let's just keep it like that. But when I got married, I found out that a bed is not complete until it has at least six pillows. Minimum. I mean, there are pillows everywhere. I'm thinking, okay, what are we going to do with these? <laughs> she says, keep them there. You know why? Because women are gifted to uh, uh, make the home pleasant, to change the environment in the home. Uh, so domestic support. He's looking for someone to make the home uh, a pleasant place to be. And so today we're continuing on uh, talking about the other two laws uh, that we see in Genesis chapter number 2, uh, verse 24. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So he says the two shall become how many? One flesh. So the next law that we see in Genesis 2.24 is what I like to call the law of partnership. Partnership. Amen? Is the law. The law of partnership. Marriage is the only place in the world where one plus one equals one. God says he takes two different individuals and he joins them together. And scripture says the two shall become one flesh. That means in the place of marriage, you're moving from living individual, separated lives to living a communal life together. You move from I to we. So you can't just show up with your plans for uh, someone else's life. You can't just show up with your plans uh, for the, the vacation, for example. It now has to move from I to we. Amen? It's no longer my car. It's now our car. It's no longer my house. It's now our house. It's no longer my 
uh, children it's now in fact have you noticed parents only say your children when they don't do right <laughs> they just got a call from school and your children but if they get a call that says i think they're gonna get a prize they say you know what my kids are getting a prize no it's our kids it's no longer my cell phone it's our cell phone hallelujah I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of amen. I said, hallelujah, amen. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen. See, because we're moving from uh, living disconnected, separate lives to living a communal life. We're now doing it together. And this is why there is no place in, in a godly marriage for prenuptial agreements. Some of you may not know what prenuptial agreements is. Uh, they usually do it a lot in Hollywood where they get married, but they keep the wealth outside of the marriage. That's not a godly marriage. Amen? And sometimes, you know, in Africa, because we just don't really, uh, we, we like to, you know, learn a lot from uh, Hollywood without getting the essence of why sometimes people do what they do. You know, I've heard some of my friends talk about, yeah, I'm going to get married and I think we're going to sign a prenuptial agreement. And I've had to give them advice, honest advice, to say, number one, this is going to make uh, your marriage fail. And number two, I tell them like this, some of my friends, I tell them number two, uh, uh, and this may sound candid, but this is what I tell them. I tell them number two, if she was really looking for someone to get married to for money, she probably wasn't going to marry you. <laughs> they don't like it, but I tell it to them like that. Like, I mean, all you got is a car, a cell phone, and, you know, nice Jordans. <laughs> I mean, if she was going to really, I mean, really, is, do you really think she was going to come your direction if, if she was doing it for money? Yep. I don't think so. But sometimes, you know, we just want to get in there and just do things that we have no complete understanding for. So partnership also talks about uh, uh, how you can get more out of your marriage. When a, a couple, a husband and a wife, decide they're going to do it right and do it uh, by cooperating with the law of partnership, which brings about unity, there's no other place, no other relationship in the earth realm where you can achieve the kind of unity that a husband and wife can achieve together. And we know scripture says, if two shall touch as agreeing on anything in the earth, it shall be done by their father which is in heaven. There's no unity in the earth that can surpass the unity of a husband and wife. That's why the enemy is after the unity in marriage. He will make sure that a husband and a wife cannot function in unity. And sometimes you will do it over petty issues to make sure that they don't accomplish much, to make sure that they don't uh, 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 get the blessing that comes from a place of marriage. You can read Psalm 133. It says God blesses. He releases a blessing at the place of unity. Amen. And so when we learn how to uh, live together in unity, I'm talking about in the relationship of a husband and wife, it's amazing the kind of things that you can begin to accomplish together. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter number 4. I'm going to read from verse 9 to 12. So do everything you can to preserve the unity in your marriage. Do not allow strife. The Bible says in James 3, uh, 16, where there's strife, there's confusion and every evil work. Amen? 
I said, Amen. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter number four, verse nine, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. He's talking about uh, the synergy in a godly marriage. And some of you who have been to business school, you know this. Uh, the word synergy simply means the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. In other words, if I punch you with a fist, it's going to hurt more than if I punch you with uh, my fingers individually. Amen. I said amen. So the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. So when you get together as husband and wife, that's the synergy he's talking about. He's saying there's going to be a greater reward for you. And watch what he says in the next verse. He says, for if they fall, the one will lift his fellow up. But woe unto him, that is alone, when he falleth, for he has no other person to lift him up. Seldom are you both down in a marriage. Have you noticed when the other one is down, usually the other one is up. And that's the beauty of a marriage relationship. When I'm down, my wife is up and she gets to pick me up. When she's down, I'm up and I get to pick her up. That's the beauty of this synergy that we're talking about. Verse 11, again, if two lie together, they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Verse 12, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a three-cord uh, a threefold cord is not easily uh, broken. Some of you may say, how did it move from two to three? It moved from two to three because three is the third uh, strand in that cord. So when you get married, the two of you, and you invite God in in your marriage, which is what you should do, uh, you become a threefold cord. And the Bible says it is not easily broken. Amen. I was saying in the first service, I gave him a statistic, and the statistic was that 50% uh, of all the marriages in the world end in a divorce. That means one out of every two of all the marriages in the world uh, uh, end in a divorce. And what's interesting about this statistic is that it's the same both in the world, unbelievers, and it's also the same around uh, believers. Unless, someone say unless, unless they practice these three grace rhythms or these three disciplines together as a couple unless they read the bible together unless they pray together unless they attend church together then this moves from one out of every two to one out of every 1500 And this is why in this church, I've had to send uh, some wives to Roman Catholic. I've had to send them to traditional churches just so that they can be in unity with their husbands. Because unity in the marriage relationship is way more important than just being doctrinally right. So we've had to send them away, bid them farewell, and tell them, go to that Catholic church and do it with a good attitude, and you're going to accomplish some things in your marriage. You know why? Because we want to preserve and make sure that they are on the right side of the law of partnership. It's going to be very important to preserve that unity. Can I get an Amen. And the last and final law is what I like to call the law of purity. Where do we see that? It says in verse 25, And both husband and wife were naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. It says they were naked and they were not ashamed. 
what we see in that is that um, they were completely open to each other, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. They were both naked and they were not ashamed. In other words, they were not afraid to open up their heart to each other. Amen? Their complete heart was open to each other. You could look into each other's heart and, I mean, they, they, they just, uh, uh, they had an open relationship and they were not ashamed. Man, when you're dealing with conflict, you have to bring in the law of purity. Number four, the law of purity. You have to be willing to be open. You have to be willing to open your heart. You have to be willing to share your, your, your hurts. You have to be willing uh, to share your concerns. You have to be willing to just, to just come to the fold and, and, and resolve any conflicts that there may be uh, in the marriage relationship and do it uh, with a pure heart. Someone say pure heart. Do it with a pure heart. Don't do it from a manipulative standpoint. Manipulation can be a problem in marriages, particularly in, in, in conflict resolution. Amen? Don't try to manipulate each other. Don't invite the spirit of manipulation. Don't play chess with that relationship. Say, okay, he's going to do this. Now I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to take him over there to that ignorantia. No, ignora therapy. Ignora therapy is where they don't talk to you. They, don't, they just leave you alone for about two days. Yeah, you must figure it out. That I'm not talking to. That's not going to help you or your relationship. Amen? You can violate the law of purity. Is this helping you? So you need to honor the law of purity. And those of you who have gone through hurts before, you have gone through um, you know, a, a divorce before and you are hurt and you are beaten, there are sections of your heart that you're not willing to open up to anyone that's going to you know, come talk to you or want to get married to you, man, you're going to have to pray that the Holy Spirit takes care of that. You're going to have to pray that the Holy Spirit you know, just heals your heart completely so that when you get married, you're able uh, to function in the law of purity. Amen? And when it comes to conflict resolution, uh, there are two kinds of people that we see uh, in every marriage relationship. They are what we like to call uh, peacekeepers. And they are what we like to call uh, peacemakers. And one of you, or in fact, all of you are one of the two. They are those we like to call peacekeepers. Now, peacekeepers will keep the peace in the home at any cost. If they have to sweep everything under the rug, and I mean, they can sweep all the issues under the rug until there is a mountain of issues. When you walk into the house, you almost have to, you know, walk around it, but they will just not talk about it. They will not address it. They will just hope that one day by, by, by a miraculous encounter, those issues are just going to dissolve themselves. They may even trip over that little mountain in their house, but they will keep sweeping more things under the rug. And then there are those who we call peacemakers. Now, Peacemakers will go to war to get peace. <laughs> they will say no one is eating pap in this house until this issue is resolved. No one is going to sleep. It could be 1.30 in the morning a.m. and they are up and they are ready to go at it. And both extremes are wrong. In fact, by show of hands, which of you say, I think I'm the peacekeeper in the relationship? Let me see, let me see, just let me see. 
I, I know I'm, I'm a peacekeeper. I'm like, man, I just, nah, okay, nah-uh, leave me alone. And those of you who say, man, I think I'm a peacemaker. Let's see, let's see if I show up. <laughs> oh, man, we have way too many peacemakers in here. They're like, man. And so here's the deal is that you don't have to be one or the other because both extremes are deadly. But what you have to do is to find a middle ground. The peacemaker needs to have some of what the peacekeeper has and say, you know what, I don't think we are reaching a compromise and it's already 9.30 p.m. You know what, let's let the issue go to rest and tomorrow after breakfast we'll pick it up. That's what the peacemaker should do. And then the peacekeeper should say, you know what, I don't like to ruffle feathers. I don't like to get into confrontation. But you know what, I'm actually going to bring it up. I'm actually going to do something that's out of character and actually tell them that, you know what, this, is, uh, uh, this issue concerns me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone so that I can bring the issue to the fold. You know why? Because ultimately, the first step to resolving uh, 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 an issue in a marriage relationship is confrontation. You're going to have to confront, not each other, confront the issue. Amen? You have to bring it up if you're going to talk about it in any uh, meaningful way. So how do you do that? How do you resolve uh, conflict uh, according to the Bible? You have to listen to each other and believe each other. And you also have to listen to understand, not to answer. How many of you know that there is a difference uh, between listening to understand and listening to give an answer? Yeah. You know, when you get into an argument, don't listen to give an answer. Listen to understand. And it's going to take a little bit of empathy. Sit down and listen. Listen twice than you're talking. Because you have two ears and one mouth. Amen? I said Amen. The Bible tells us that in a multitude of words, there's going to be seen. You're going to say something that you didn't mean. So don't be so keen uh, to say your piece. You must listen. And listening, gentlemen, means you listen even with your expressions. It means you listen with your body. You listen with your eyes. You listen with your ears and you listen with your body. When she says you're not listening, she's not talking about you're not hearing me. She's saying you're not, you know, looking like you're listening. Amen. And that means everything when it comes to communication. Number three, in conflict management with purity, you're going to have to forgive and forget. In other words, you forgive and you let it go. Did that help you? Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we just pray for every marriage relationship under the sound of my voice. Lord, we just call them blessed. Lord, we pray right now that you may release life into their marriage. Father, we just thank you that every marriage relationship under the sound of my voice has been called uh, by God, ordained by God. And Father, we just thank you that these marriage relationships are going to be a beacon, a light in our community of what godly marriages uh, look like. We know that there is an onslaught against marriages in the world. Uh, there is an onslaught against marriages on all these media platforms, uh, liberal views uh, that are not informed by God's word. We know there is a spirit uh, 
uh, from the kingdom of darkness that's coming against marriages. But right now, in the name of Jesus, we erect a spiritual hedge of protection around each marriage that is under the sound of my voice. Cause them to walk in unity, Lord. Cause them to uh, hold hands, look at uh, uh, purpose, at, uh, at their goals, and begin to walk in that direction uh, together as one. You say it in your word. How can two walk together unless they agree? These are the ones uh, that will begin to agree and begin to walk together and do things in the earth and be uh, missionaries and be evangelists for what godly marriages look like in the kingdom of God. We release success in every marriage. Father, I thank you for those that went through a divorce, those that may have uh, lost their uh, uh, spouses. Father, I pray right now for a seven-fold restoration in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for those who may have gone through abusive, uh, physically, emotionally abusive relationships in the past and went through uh, to met us time uh, times in their marriage lord i just thank you right now for a supernatural healing of the lord holy ghost heal their hearts remove any bitterness in the name of jesus lord i just thank you father that you are healing them completely making them ready for that sevenfold restoration and we pray lord for every single person that's under the sound of my voice lord we just thank you father that you are moving them in the direction of their God-ordained spouse. Father, we just thank you that they're not going to miss that connection, that destiny. But Father, that in the right place, in the right time, the right opportunity will come and that they will get married and fulfill every single one of their desires and assignments together as a couple. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And someone said, Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. We